We're going to open up God's Word, and we are continuing a series called uh, New Roads and Rivers. And I want to kick off this morning by sharing a picture. I want to share a picture. And uh, so we're doing a little bit of art this morning. And the painting is called, uh, well, I'll wait, I'll tell you what it's called in a wee minute. But it was once hung in the Louvre in, uh, in France, and it was sold private, privately in 1999. It was painted by a man called Friedrich Moritz August Retsch. And the painting depicts two chess players. One is Satan, who appears arrogantly confident. The other player is a man who looks defeated. And the painting is called Checkmate. It's called Checkmate. And a chess master had an occasion, uh, had an opportunity to visit an art gallery with a friend where this painting was. And this painting called Checkmate was in the gallery and his companion explored the artwork throughout the gallery and the chess master was fascinated on this painting, the painting that I showed you. And when the friend returned, he asked, so what do you see? What do you see when you see this painting? And the chess master responded that he needed to speak with the artist. And he said this, as I viewed this painting, the artist has two options. He needs to either rework the painting or change the title because clearly the king has one more move. You can just imagine it at that moment, can't you? Mic drop, he stenders drums hitting, cue the filling of hope and light and life rushing through that man for the next move. The king has one more move. The king always has one more move. Today in our weakness, the king has one more move. Today in our illness and physical uh, frailties and struggles, the king has one more move. Today in our job insecurity, the king has one more move. Today in our mental health onslaughts and difficulties and journeying that, the king has one more move. In our marriage troubles, the king has one more move. Today in our feelings of despair or shame or in the fuzz and confusion or the walls that we're facing, the king has one more move. Always one more move. And that king is Jesus. We're going to read uh, Isaiah 43, these verses that we've been looking at for a number of weeks. Isaiah 43, verse 18 to 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God in this moment through his prophet Isaiah is communicating a lot in these few lines. As you, as you know, as we've been unpacking over a number of weeks. He promises not only to deliver these people out of Babylon, his people out of Babylon, but to conduct them and journey them safely and comfortably to their own land. From Babylon to Canaan, as well as from Egypt, through desert lands, through deserted places. The same power that made a way in the sea, as Isaiah mentions in verse 16 of chapter 43, can make a way in the wilderness and will force through the greatest difficulties. In these wilderness moments for God's people, there was one more move. 
those wasteland seasons for God's people, there was always one more move. We sing a song uh, with the line, you made a way when there was no way. And I believe you can do it again. There's always, always, always one more move. And the line I want to focus on this morning is uh, when Isaiah says, I am making a way in the wilderness. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. In the wilderness and in the wastelands. How many of us need to hear those words, I am making a way this morning? And this has been a, a bit of a heart journey this week. And I pray as I unpack this that, that God does something in, our, in all our hearts as we, we, we look at this. I am making a way. This past week has felt a, a significant one as I've been trying to plan ahead and, and uh, yeah, plan ahead and journey with a whole load of different stuff and getting stuck and not really knowing where to start. So there was a moment this week in that, in the fuzz of that, in the, the difficulty of trying to find a way of just praying. It's always a good start, isn't it? To pray, to ask God, will you just provide insight? Will you speak? And my attention just diverted from the what ifs to Jesus. And that felt like a good diversion. That felt like a, a healthy diversion. Maybe this morning is about simply rerouting everything that is, uh, that is going on and to point it towards Jesus, to point ourselves towards Jesus, our situations, a simple yet profound and effective step. I am making a way. He always has one more move. I was watching a TV show this week, and it was about watches and a shop that specializes in buying secondhand luxury watches and selling them on. And this isn't like your six-pound Casio watch from Argos, which is a very popular watch, let me tell you. I was once in a meeting and three other people had this same watch on. It's very popular, but that's by the by. But this is watches that are tens of thousands of pounds. And uh, they get people calling them, this shop, and they say, I've got a watch. And I, I, it's a Rolex or it's a really expensive watch. And uh, I want to sell it. I want to sell it to you guys. And this watchmaker comes on with all the fancy gadgets to check, uh, it's all legit. You know, it has the special microscope thing on the eye and it takes apart the watch. Every tiny, minute screw taken apart and put onto a magnet and every working part checked. And uh, it's only by checking what's inside that she can work out it's the real deal. And this one was in this TV show. And it was this young lad in his 20s. It was his grandfather's watch. And the wait is tense as he tries, to, he waits to find out how much is this watch. And he was told by a local jeweler, it maybe could be worth £20,000. But this local jeweler said, I think we should go to somebody on a higher pay grade than myself, somebody who has a bit more expertise. And this young man in his 20s finds out that his grandfather's old watch was worth £200,000. And the, the young lad, he said, my granddad would wear it gardening to the pub and every day. He would have had no idea. So, yeah, this is brilliant, £200,000. And one of the uh, film crew said, you could buy a house with that. And the guy's just pale. He can't believe it. He's taken aback. He can't quite grasp the enormity of what has just happened. 
And I, I had a wee moment watching that particular couple of minutes. And I was reminded of the true value of Jesus. And I want everything. I want under the microscope everything in my life to be orientated towards Jesus. Every working part of my life towards Jesus. I want the real thing. I want moments for us as a church family where we step back and we can't quite grasp the enormity of what has just happened and what Jesus has done, just like that young lad did when he understood the true value of the watch. To be surprised. And I want for our church to be a place where people meet the real Jesus, that we would learn more uh, about what we carry in the pub and when we're gardening and in the everyday. Not just added on, but knowing it's, it's true worth, knowing it's, it's his true worth. A people who respond in faith in the wastelands and in the wilderness. He is making a way. There is one more move. There is always one more move from the king. And you know, wastelands are, are smelly places. They're, they're places that have a, carry a stench. They're dark places. Wilderness spaces are lonely, confusing. And they were for God's people. But the promise was of a way through it. The reminder was, I've done it before. I've taken you through before. So I want to urge us as a church family this morning, don't, uh, right now, not to make a focus on everything that we can't do, but to make our focus Jesus. Right now, not to make a focus on uh, the lack of singing or our worship together, although that is difficult and it's sad, but to point our hearts and our uh, our posture ourselves towards Jesus and everything we do right now. And not to make a focus on, you know, I'll, I'll sort out the Jesus stuff when we get back, but to make our focus on Jesus right this very moment. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of what ifs. We've journeyed a lot of uncertainty and a lot of what ifs, but there is ultimate certainty in Jesus this morning. There's ultimate certainty. There's an encouragement into healthy rhythms in this relationship we have with Jesus. And there's no formation without repetition. I'm a I like to play golf now and again. I don't play very often. But I'm not getting good at golf by playing twice a year. I like to think I am, but it's just not going to happen. But playing every week, well, in my case, playing every week wouldn't help anyway. Maybe golf isn't a great example. But if I was to play more golf, or if we were to play more golf, it would help us understand our swing, how let our golf muscles grow, our arms, you know, suss out what parts of the body we need doing a little golf swing there. We would see the course differently. We would understand the course. We would learn different approaches to different holes. We would take into consideration the weather, the conditions around us, and it would affect how we play, how we approach that hole. And, you know, sometimes I don't want to play when I'm eight holes in because of all the shots that go in the water and when I lose my golf balls and when I feel like giving up. But I carry on because there'll be a good shot ahead. You know, spending time with Jesus 
helps me understand better the day-to-day. There might be some bad shots somewhere on my part, on our part, but we carry on. We learn to see situations differently. We learn how to tackle the day when the weather isn't great. We know that he's with us. We know he doesn't leave us. We know he is making a way. Can I encourage us, Inverness Vineyard, to pursue and commit to Jesus afresh this morning? Pursue the person of Jesus, not programs or structures or meetings or people or plans, not what makes us feel good or what gives us short-term satisfaction, not to be a holiday golfer kind of Jesus follower, not to pick up the clubs when we have time, but right now in this season, in this moment, in this day to pursue Jesus, to give him our best right now when we don't feel like it, to choose Jesus. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Joshua commanded Israel before his death. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, he declared, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24, 15. You know, sometimes I know I am guilty of this. We can replace Jesus with the good and with the comfortable, with the structure and the plans and the people and our own preferences. But when I see Jesus in the Gospels, when I read through Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, these were the very things that he constantly came against in sharing the kingdom that got in the way, that people were so ingrained and so lost lost in that they couldn't see him. Would we be a church that don't get in the way? I was reminded of the the song with the, the line, like a rushing wind, like a mighty storm, Lord, have your way. Would we be taken aback by the glory and goodness of God this morning? This week, this past week, I've been reminded that this, this following Jesus stuff, when we take time, when we pray, when we read his word, it actually works. <laughs> it actually works. You know, when we carve out time with him and this relationship. And that, this last week hasn't been, a, hasn't been a great week, hasn't been a rubbish week. You know, it's been somewhere in the middle but it works. It works when we spend time with him. And maybe for some of us, we're struggling with that right now. Can I urge us practically, start in the New Testament, start in the gospel, start in Matthew, and just read through that book. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go through the gospels. Encounter Jesus. Refresh your devotionals. I've been using Lectio 365, which is a fantastic app if you can... If you've got a smartphone, get it on Android or iPhone, and it's got a morning and evening devotional. And it's just been brilliant for my own uh, walk with Jesus. Mary uses the Daily Bread devotionals, classic little booklet as well, and I know a number of other people do as well. Every day, just reading through that, starting our day well. It's like what Charles Montgomery said a couple of weeks ago about putting first things first in our days. 
We worship a God that always has one more move. And that is a, a word right now for us. He is making a way. And we don't need to look far in the Bible to see those instances, to see th- that promise come through. We see in 1 Samuel 17, 45, he can conquer any giant. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He can close the mouth of lions. In Daniel 6, verse 16, the king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. And then in verse 22, my God sent his angel and he shut the mouth of the lions. He can turn mourning to dancing as we sung about this morning. He can feed thousands with little given generously. He can open prison doors where we've been bound and bring freedom. He can protect us in the storms. He can bring life into dead bodies and dry bones. He can heal sickness and disease. He can defeat death even death on a cross. God sending his son Jesus in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That is Jesus. That is Jesus. As I I come in to close, I just want to share a little story. I don't know, I think this is more a 90s thing, but jumbo sales. Do you remember jumbo sales? Uh, where have they gone? I think Gumtree and eBay has kind of taken over. Our boys uh, this week were speaking of doing like a, a yard sale. They go, you know, get a table, put it at the front of the garden and sell some of their toys to buy some other toys. And uh, it was quite a cute conversation I was having with them as I negotiated my percentage of that, of their future earnings, because it's in our, my garden. And so they can, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. But I remember our church jumbo, jumbo sales back in the day for fundraisers. And uh, Phyllis Tickle in her book, The Great Emergence, she quotes uh, Anglican Bishop Mark Dyer, who speaks about, they call it rummage sales. Let me read this out. People bring their junk, their cast-offs, the stuff they want to get rid of to the church and clutter it up. A committee spends a crazy amount of time sorting through it all, arranging it all uh, for people to look at. Then on the day of the sale, folks come with an eagerness to go through other folks' junk, finding prizes they can't live without and spending money to haul it away. But there's always more rummage left over at the end of the sale, as if it multiplies all day long, And this means that the committee, who are already tired from their week of sorting, will now get uh, the remaining stuff to a charity shop or to uh, the recycling centre so that the church can be free of clutter. By the sales day's end, it always seems to me it would have been better off to just all of us bring a couple of hundred pounds and fund whatever project event we're trying to support. But I must admit, all I am seeing is the hard work and mess of the sale. From a balcony view, it may be that rummage sales accomplish more than one thinks. Over the course of a day, a week, or longer, rummage, that which is old and worn out, is removed, making way for the new. This then creates space to rediscover what remains in a new and vibrant manner. This is the analogy of the rummage sale when it comes to the church. It's Jesus' new wine and new wineskins message. There comes a time when a shift needs to be made and change embraced. 
It seems like we're living in one of those times. And according uh, to the offer, these sales create upheaval and change with three constant and consistent results. First, a new and more vital form of faith emerges in these moments. Secondly, the organized expression of faith until that time is reconstituted into a purer and less ossified expression of its former self. And then thirdly, faith spreads when the overly established form is broken up. We say yes and we say amen to a rummage sale as we step into the new season ahead. A new and more vital form of faith. Purer and fleshier expression of our faith. Ossified means like kind of down to the bone. I want to pray that we would have, uh, that we would feed well in this season. And that we would have a faith that spreads. The very essence of why Inverness Vineyard exists is to share this goodness with those who don't know them, know uh, Jesus, know him. That in the valley of dry, dusted up bones that we remember, there's always one more move. So when we fully trust in Jesus, always having one more move, we carry that not only into the state and condition of our city, our streets, our churches, but into our own day-to-day struggles and battles. The wastelands and uh, wilderness parts of our bodies, our minds, our lives, the parts that we've written off, the parts that we've accepted as damaged goods, we remove the rummage. Perhaps this morning is a reminder for us as we watch, as we participate as a church family this morning before God in his presence. Perhaps this morning he wants you to get the table out of the garage and to examine our hearts before God. And what is the rubbish that I need to bring out into the light today for him to take from that table? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would highlight, that you would uh, make clear what it is we have to bring to the table in front of you for you to take away. What is the rummage? around addictions, around negative thought patterns that stop us, fear from stepping forward or stepping in, sinful patterns. Because I think part of the rummage sale is getting rid of that that we don't want to live with anymore. And we all have parts of our lives that we don't want to live with anymore. And Jesus is here so that we can have life and life to the full. So perhaps the table needs to get up and we bring to Jesus the mess. And we trust and we know he makes a way. And for some of us, that's the big step this morning he's calling us into. May we remember this morning that Jesus is the king and there is always, always, always one more move. Amen.